What up, bud? Oh, buddy, I'm excited for today's podcast. Me too. I, 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 I love Michael Yo. I, I feel like... And how long have we been waiting to get this guy on the podcast? We've been trying... I can't wait to give him shit about this. Because we've been trying to get him for so long. And again, these managers, these agents, they're publicists. 90% of them are the worst people. They just suck. And... <laughs> They like unless unless you want to book someone on our podcast, then, we love you. then you're the best. Yeah, then we love. <laughs> but it's just like they say no before they say no for them. I'm like, dude, like give them a shot, ask them, and then we'll get into that, man. But I'm so I'm really excited for Michael Yo because he's had such a really cool career from you know being as an entertainment reporter to uh, then becoming a stand-up comic, he's which he's doing successful with, and now becoming an actor and doing some crazy roles there. I mean, what a cool career he's had from. All different parts of the industry that I think a lot of people love to do. Really excited to talk to him, um, Dax. Uh, before yeah, we, uh, oh, and by the way, we uh, uh, we've been uh, reading uh, out your guys' comments and reviews at the end of the podcast. So stick around. We normally do kind of like a wrap up after we've had our guest. You know, talk about how the interview went, things that we liked, and then we uh, have been reading out comments at the end. So definitely stick around for that. And if you guys want to actually watch. This interview, we've been uploading onto YouTube. We started up a YouTube page, just search Hollywood Raw, and uh, you can watch us talk to our guests. Uh, so that's been kind of fun. You can follow us on TikTok and Instagram, Facebook, all those other places. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. We can't drill that enough. Subscribe, leave us comments. We reread everything that you guys put out there. So thank you. Yeah, thank you all guys right. so much. Uh, I'm excited for today's guest. Uh, Dax, by the way, do I look ripped from Eat to Evolve? Oh, you, you really do. You look <laughs> like you've lost weight and you look healthy. And those cook those cookies are Yo, they're food, so dude. good. They're so <laughs> yeah. good. All right. I only had one. So <laughs> let's let's get to Michael before he uh he hangs up on yes. us because it took us so long to get this interview. So our guest today is comedian, a television host, podcaster. I mean, he's a talking head on about every entertainment news show out there. He's also an actor, and he's just God, he's done every single job in Hollywood, and he does a really good good job at it um yeah i mean what else do i say about this guy it's michael yo welcome to the podcast man mike what's up buddy i gotta say this before we start mike you go down as the hardest guest we ever had to get on this podcast we went through so many people and then it, actually it was so hard but then it went very easy because we reached out to like We've had Larry King. We had the situation. We had Larsa Pippen recently. That was a big one for us. Then we just we've had a lot of really cool people on this podcast. And then we reached out to you because we love people like you that have worked in the entertainment industry. You've worked on both sides of the industry, and so I feel like you're more interesting than a lot of these actors out there that you know we all have interviewed before. And we reached out to your team, and then they were just like, no, no, no. Then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to DM him. There's no way this guy is getting this. They answered so picked. They answered so quick. Like, your agent, your manager, like, no, he can't do it. No, he can't do it. We're like, did you even ask him? Like, I can't even get my I can't even get my friends on the phone that quick. And then all of a sudden, I DM you. I'm like, Mike, we'd love to have you come on, man. And then you got back to me like a cool du- cool ass dude right away. Yeah, of course. I would love to do it. And it was so cool. But I, I appreciate that. You know what's crazy is a lot of times, because I ask people to be on my podcast all the time too, and I'm I'm like I know that person didn't know that <laughs> they were asked. So it's it's uh, I think my agents right now, since I went through this whole you know COVID thing, they're kind of like just protecting me, like oh just let them rest. But it's a thing where no, as soon as you guys reached out, I was like of course yeah of course yeah. we say we say this all the time though we're like we're like 
can you just ask the person because either we know them or or we've had like some run-ins with these people. I'm like, maybe they do want to come on. Just please ask. And it's like, nope. We're like, all right. But oh, you well. know, you know what I respect is sometimes when you don't go through the proper channels, oh, those people will cut you off forever. Like, you know what I mean? So I've done that several times where I know a lot of celebrities, so I'll just call them up. And I'm like, yeah, sure. And then they're publicists will hear about it and then they'll be like, yeah, why didn't you just ask me? I would have said yes too. I was like, eh, well, would you? Would you have really yeah. said yes? Well, just to let you know your manager is going to cut us off forever. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what it is? I'm, since I'm a paparazzi, that's what I do. I'm a journalist on the streets. You know, pre, during the pandemic, pre-pandemic, if I reached out to The Rock's people, Oprah's people, you know, John Cena's people and said, John, I would love, you know, I went to the people and said, hey, I'd love to interview him. The, they would say no right away and it's happened all the time, but I realize if I get to them, if I get in front of them, they'll talk to me, and that's what's happened. I've been kind of uh, patient and just kind of been persistent, and then they obviously they kind of got to know me and they give me the interview. So if I go around the paparazzi way, I get the interview, but if I went through their people, I would never get the interview. It's just well, one thing that's interesting that, and this is something I heard about The Rock. I've interviewed him several times, but The Rock will not do radio. He's never done a radio interview. You know, it, it's interesting. Yeah, like he won't like sit down and have a one-on-one -on -one conversation. It's just something he doesn't want to do, I guess, uh, which surprises me because he does every TV outlet, but he won't do radio. And that's what I heard from his people once. And it's all, and this was like five, six years ago, but I've never seen him on like a podcast. Yeah. You know, even Joe Rogan's, I've never seen The Rock on Joe Rogan or some mm -hmm. of the other entertainment podcast even if it's variety or whatever you know what i mean so it's interesting that that he won't do when i worked at i still work at sirius but he won't do sirius xm either you know yeah. no no radio it, it's pretty interesting strategy most of them get filmed so like what's the difference i i don't know i don't i really don't know but it's interesting now this was six years ago but and i've heard from other publicists that he won't do radio but tv interview he'll do that and maybe it's a it's a reaching the masses he doesn't have much time so if he's going to do something he needs to do the biggest things to reach the most people i don't know it's cool like when the rock comes to new york i've gotten to know him a little bit like it's not obviously i don't have his phone number but when we see each other he'll like say hi and like we we, we know each other's faces well i know him he did, he knows my face and actually it's funny i i saw him um i had a tip that he was one time working at the equinox and uh in uh like in the 50s area and uh so i put on my rock shirt and i wore i went ran to the gym and i started working out really hard i started sweating like i wanted to see him like <laughs> i wanted to see him, like the sweat pouring down my face i was going extra heavy and it's so cool to see him work out because he had two bodyguards watching him work out one guy tried sneaking a photo of him at the gym and the guy went up to him and said hey delete the photo and then he saw me and he came up to me he's like hey good shit and it was just cool just like yeah thanks rock and i'm wearing i'm wearing like the underarm shirt just sweating like him i thought i was like in my own under armor commercial it was uh that was my <laughs> but it's cool because when the rock comes to new york he usually does like gma he'll maybe do like a live with kelly um, and then I remember he was going back to the hotel and I got him at the hotel and I thought I was only going to get like one question with him, but then he like stuck around and like, Hey, you got more questions for me? I was like, uh, sorry, dude, I was only planning for one, but then I just started talking to him off camera and, uh, I was able to sell the one question, which was good. So thank you for that. Fair. Let's start off with this, Mike, cause I find your career to be so interesting. You know, you've, you've done both sides of it. You've done the entertainment reporting side, your, your comic, just like me. You know, my background, I'm a stand-up comic that fell into this entertainment news, so I still do back and forth. It's just weird how my life – but what was your – what was your, like, your first job out of college? Out of college? Man, I didn't – well, I dropped out of college, 
So before I went to college, I was uh, like an intern at a radio station, but I really loved radio. I worked for a guy named Paul Cubby Bryant that sure. was on Z100, and now he's on KTU, and now I think he's on the Light Channel. He does mornings. But um, he started me in radio, and I just fell in love. I Then I went to college, played college football for a little bit, got too many concussions, had to come back home, got back into radio. So I guess it would be radio. At 104 KRB, bounced around in Houston, then went to Austin and got my break as an afternoon drive guy. And that led me to Miami, which then led me to Los Angeles doing TV. You, wow. What was your first job out here in California? E, entertainment. E, that was your first gig. No, so e. listen to this. This is crazy. I'm doing radio. I had a big radio show in Miami. And the president, Ted Harbour, and he was listening to my show one day and he goes, we need a personality like that at E. So he called up his casting people it was Annie, it was Tiffany and it was Maureen. I'll never forget it. And I got a call and they were in Miami and they uh, put me on tape. Six months later, I was working on the Daily 10 at E with no TV experience. Wow. Uh, and I that's thought amazing. I thought that's how it was. You know, like I, I didn't realize like how many people audition, how many people really go after this job. So I didn't learn that till two to three years in. And I remember because he used to be in this office building right off of Wilshire. And I remember a line of people, beautiful people, guys in and, and females. And I looked at a person, uh, a reporter that worked there. I think it was Debbie Matinopoulos. And I go, what, what is that line for? She goes, oh, they just want to be on tape for jobs. I go, oh. That well, that they don't just give people jobs, and she goes, no. So I never told people my story, how I got my job, because I don't want any animosity towards me. But <laughs> I was just like, oh, that's what normal people got to do. It, so it's very weird to come into LA like that. And then me being a hustler, as soon as I saw the door open, man, I started trying to go for everything. You know what I mean? So and that's how I kind of progressed through it. That's awesome. That you, I mean, obviously, you have such a good voice. Is that your? Did you have to train to do their radio voice, or is that just like your natural voice? Did you kind of like this is my eight a.m. I'm tired voice right now, <laughs> but it's always like this, you know. Uh, so yeah, yeah, it's my voice. I, I've been doing radio forever, but you know, it's kind of weird now. I'm doing a lot of acting, and like people go, "Your voice is so good," but can you like not be radio? And I go, "Well." That's just my voice. You know, it's just how I sound. You know? Like, this is how I talk to people. So then once they get over that, you know, it, it's great. Do you ever do voiceover work? Has anyone approached you to do, like, commercials or movie trailers or anything like that? You got to be famous for that, bro. Dude, that is good That's money. Like, voiceover work is oh, it's great money. the best work in Hollywood. Dude, let me tell you, you – that's the whole goal is – Stand-up is going really well. Once things open up, uh, you know, like my tour is going well. And then once uh, the pandemic is done, stand-up is going to be there and I'm going to do it. But, you know, I just decided to really focus in on acting at the wrong time during the pandemic. Because I was like, well, I was going to start at the beginning of the year. And this is supposed to be my first year of acting, auditioning and things. So uh, it's been going well, but you're not getting the kind of auditions, like a, a lot of them. But I do get great ones. So you know, it's a thing where now I want to move into that and do acting and stand up because I did entertainment reporting for like 12 years. So, and I worked for everybody. So I kind of done that. And I think that's on my resume and I'll always host. I love entertainment news. So I'll always go back and host. 
But right now, I just want to try other things. Uh, Listen, I respect that. I respect actually, you know, we'll get into the whole AGT stuff, you know, and uh, so we're going to get that down the line. But you actually did Fear Factor. When you did Fear Factor, were you at the time, where were you at your life at the time? Were you on, were you doing E at the time? Were you just, were you on radio? Like, where were you at that time? Austin, Texas, a radio DJ. And it was in 1999. And I remember the casting. The casting was in the newspaper. And it goes, hey, if you're looking for some excitement, doing something crazy, come in. And I'm a very conservative guy. So I'm like, well, I don't really do anything risky. I would never jump out of a plane. And like, I'm a scared dude. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to help myself die. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) So I went in and they casted me for it. They didn't even have a name of the show. And they flew me to L.A. They did the what's that place with the horse? And at the bucking horse oh, that's the right Saddle Ranch. Saddle Ranch. So we did the whole Saddle Ranch thing. They shot us. And that's where I met Joe Rogan 21 years ago, man. That's crazy. And it's crazy what, it, like, after you do it, like, where you're at now. Like, I was a guest on your show, a contestant on your show. Now I'm actually friends with you. I'm a regular on your show, which is pretty significant. It's so weird how it all, you know, because I had no idea like I, I never wanted to do TV and this sounds like a horrible story because I, I got to say a lot of stuff that's happened for me just kind of fell in my lap, but you have to be up to the challenge. Cause if you suck, then you get fired. You know what I mean? So literally TV fell into my lap, being on Chelsea fell into my lap, being on the Kardashians fell into my lap. But every time a little door opened, I tried to kick it, you know, to kick it, kick it down and then meet other people to uh, get another job because my thing, my dad always told me, be more important than your job. If you have one yeah. job, when it goes away, you're fucked. So I try to, I try to do as many things as possible. I'm just like looking back to my meeting with E. Dax, I flew, Dax, I flew out. I had, I had a someone hooked me up with a meeting with E. I went out and, went, and I bought an outfit, but I left the tags on it because I was like, I'm gonna return this right. So I just wanted to look <laughs> hip and cool. And then I went there. <laughs> yeah, dude. I walked into the meeting with the two girls. I'm not gonna say their names. And within, as soon as I sat down, I think they realized like I wasn't the person they wanted. And I was like, "What? You didn't even let me speak yet." And then uh, I like told them my background, my story. And then it was like, probably I was like, "I flew out here for this. I flew out here for a four and a half mi- minute meeting." And I was just like, never heard back from them again. It was just the absolute. Dax, did you ever meet with? A- oh, I met with them twice. <laughs> <laughs> I met with him twice. Had two, like one was set up by someone really like high up at E, and the people like didn't even pay attention to me. I was like, "Hey, I'm in the room chatting with you guys." It was like such a waste of time. I felt like I was so excited for the meetings, and then they just didn't go anywhere. Wait, did that happen both times? Uh, the no, the first time they like had me come in, chatted, and then the second time it was like someone high up said, "I really want you guys to meet Dax." Like. He's dope. Like, have him come in. And, like, I sat there and the people acted like whatever was on their phone was way more interesting than talking to me. Like, one of the people literally was just reading their email while, like, I was in there talking about what I had done and the whole interview process. It was horrible. You hear about those. So I hear about those stories. But I can personally say the only time that's happened to me is an acting audition. Because I'll have, like, five people in there. And one person, be, but you're trying to entertain them and not everybody's watching you because 
they got you on camera and they're going to send it in anyway. Yeah. So that's weird where people really not paying attention to you and scrolling through their phones. And you're like, I'm fucking acting up here. Give me, you know, just leave the right. room if you, because it's such a, it's like somebody punching you in the face, dude. It's just like, I don't give a shit about you. <laughs> and that, and I think you that's know, why it hurt like, is because I'm yeah. like sitting here. I'm like, I was so excited for this meeting. I was jazzed, like, get, you know, getting a recommendation. I thought this is, this is it. And then it, I mean, it couldn't have gone any worse. <laughs> so both of you are e rejects. E uh, rejects. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, we didn't even make the line outside. You know, when you saw, it. we were like, I, I can't believe I flew out there. I I, I spent a thousand bucks just for that. Wait, how long meeting. ago was this? This was not that long ago. This was about a year ago for mine. Yeah, mine was about a year ago. And I have an interesting background, my story, and I could get some interviews that they can't get. I break stories, and I was like, dude, I'm. I'm a great candidate, but they did not agree. Uh, they said uh, we rather just, you know, I, you're, I don't know. <laughs> going out for it. Now I'm interested. Was it a host? Was it a reporter? Was it the news this, department? What? This was for a little bit. I think they were trying to figure out. This is actually right before they started that show. Uh, actually, yeah, this is uh, about a year ago. This is they're trying to figure out what they were doing uh, as far as they, they got rid of all their shows and they were going to start this morning show and they were going to start – you know, I think they got rid of E! News. So they were trying to figure out what they were going to do next. And I had a bunch of ideas, and I have a news background as far as breaking stories. I also get interviews that they can't get um, because of my contacts and my relationships. But listen, I, uh, I still stand by. I think they messed up. That show was in New York. They made you fly from yes. New York to L.A. to audition for a show that's yes. in New York. Yeah, dude. They they, and it said like, no, we're gonna hire a guy from Australia. I think they said <laughs> we're gonna, yeah, yeah. I think they did that. So that guy got the gig. I don't know where he's at now, but I mean, listen, we. Uh... Mine was right before <laughs> Daily Pop started up, so that's when. Ah, uh, like, so you wanted to be on the Daily Pop? Well, I, that's they, what you were. They going... had me come in because they're like, oh, we're starting this new thing, and then listen, I think the excuse they gave me, I think, actually made uh, some sense. Is they were like. You, we already have a Jason Kennedy. We don't need another one. And so I get that. Like Jason Kennedy and I look very similar, white dudes, you know, like at the end of the day, you, you don't need two of the same exact people on the network. So that to me made sense. I just, it was shitty. <laughs> I, I remember that. when I was at E, Ryan Seacrest was like the shit, right? He signed his huge contract with E. And I remember one reporter was like, or one casting person was like, you know, Ryan's the prototype that everybody needs to be. So I was trying to be like Ryan, me, Michael Yo, trying to be like Ryan. So I was like, hey, everybody, it's Michael Yo. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> it, it took me a while before I found myself. But I was just trying to be like, welcome to E! News. My name is, you know, like that whole. And I was yeah. like, yo, now that I look back at it, I cringe. Like, I was always <laughs> good at the interview part. But the hosting part at E!, I was trying to be somebody else. I wasn't myself at all. And I didn't learn that till like after E because it was all about Ryan Seacrest. So you kind of wanted to sound, wanted to have the same vibe because I went from the Daily 10 that got canceled and I was a survivor and I made it to E News. So, and I did E News for like three or four years. So I was like, well, I need to fit their format now because they were a little bit more buttoned up, like the Jason Kennedys, the Juliana. Yeah. The Ryan Seacrest. So I can't be like, yo, what's up? It's Michael Yo on E! News. I can't be like that on that show. You know, so I was a little bit more buttoned up. But I love the opportunity. I love the chance. It's just I was never myself 
like as a host at E until, but interviews I was, and that was the big difference. I, I think that's what people don't realize is that when you're getting hired for these shows, they want you to be you. They want you to be unique. And I think that took me a long time also to realize is that, you know, we're all trying to be someone else because we see them being successful, but it's because they're who they are. And it's like, you got to come in and show your personality and who you are because that's what makes you stand out. But I really feel they didn't want me. They wanted me to be like Ryan, Jason, because that was their prototypes. You know, they didn't want that wasn't their vibe back then. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now it is. Now put me on a round table and I can I can crush with anybody and I can stay myself. But they didn't do that back then. It was very read the prompter, no, no ad libs, go. You know, so it, it was very you were a host. And they made it very clear. But that's why I didn't host much. They sent me out on interviews because I got interviews. I tell everybody when you interview somebody and you only have eight minutes or five minutes, it's about moments. It's not about the interview. Give me three. Yeah. Like I always say, give them three good moments, your editor, three good moments. And that's your piece. Two to three good moments. So I, I, in the interviews, I just tried to make three moments with that person. And fuck the interview. I'm just trying to make up moments with you. So when it airs, you look good, I look good, and we both get props. So did you did you ever do an interview where the guest walked out pissed off? Uh, and, and and for me, it's tough because again, we me and Dax come from TMZ, and from my experience with TMZ, it was tough because TMZ is obviously a controversial place a little bit. And I was always trying to guide to mold a person and like tee them up for them to hit a home run, just like you, I'm sure at E. Like you want to make them look good, you want to have them a good experience, but sometimes. I would ask, you know, I'd have to, I'd ask a good question. Somehow they would, you have to ask shitty questions and, and it sucks. It's just the game we're in. And that's one of the reasons I don't do it as much now because yeah. I'm trying to go to that other side of it. But you're in a position where if your boss needs that question, you got, that's your job to ask that shitty question, no matter that celebrity circumstance. And on the celebrity side, they should know it's coming. You know what I mean? Like, you know how this business works. So don't act like you're surprised or shocked. You know what I'm, I'm not interviewing you eight minutes about a movie. You know, <laughs> I'm interviewing you three questions about the movie. And then we're going to talk about stuff that people actually want to know about, you know, and, and yeah, as a celebrity, you know, like there are, if you want those type of interviews, just do interviews with movie people. Like my friend Kevin McCarthy, who's a movie critic, he's phenomenal. Sure. He will go to these junkets and ask you about light, about camera angles, about acting. That's not me. Our audience on entertainment news, they don't want to see that shit. They could care less about a fucking camera or a, a light, the way the scene was lit. You know what I mean? They want to know, oh, how's your kids? How is it being a mom? What's your struggles? You know, oh, my God, you just broke up with somebody. How are you feeling now? You know, what are you looking for next? What's the biggest mistake you made in your life? You know, they're looking for shit like that. They want, because I feel like a good entertainment news reporter, they normalize a person where everybody can relate to them. So instead of a celebrity feeling like they're being attacked, it's like, oh, they're trying to make me human. And they're trying to make everyone relate to me. Now, there are some shitty reporters that will just go in and make it awkward and weird. I've never had, I've always gotten my questions out without like confrontation. You know, I don't know if it's because I'm big or I'm just smiley and you know, I can, I find ways to ask questions about people that are not just straight. Like if I need to ask you about, like I remember 
at E, Jennifer Aniston broke up with Brad Pitt, or they broke up, and she did Marley and Me, too. And that was one of my first interviews, Jennifer Aniston. And at the time, the rumor was she was so hard to interview. Like, she was not having it. She knew everybody was asking about Brad. And they go, we need some type of clip about Brad. And I go, oh, so this is my second interview ever at E! On a red carpet, Marley Me, with Jennifer Aniston, a woman that I would just see on TV. Like, this is all new to me. I've been here two months. So I'm on the red carpet. And uh, I go, I, I still got the clip. It was one of the greatest moments of my life. I go, what's the difference between a man and a dog? <laughs> she grabs my arm and goes, oh, my God, I have so many stories to tell. And she gave me a great bit. And then, you know, E! News, like, could she be talking about Brad Pitt? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, That's awesome. But that was the moment where I was like, oh, you don't have to ask a question if you find a smart way to get a response. So she just been through a shitty relationship. I go, what's the difference between the movies about a dog, Marley and Me too, or Marley and Me, whatever, which one it was. But I go, what's the difference between a man and a dog? And it caught her off guard, but she laughed grabbed my arm and the whole thing was like oh my gosh she likes you she grabbed your arm yeah we're gonna sit so then i started interviewing her all the time now i was the person like jennifer aniston when she sees me on the red carpet she goes yo what's up you know so like <laughs> because i've always respected her but at the same time i've always asked the questions i needed to ask in a respectful way yeah gotcha so it's more of like just you know, and I think that's a part that I struggle with a little bit. Like, how do I walk out of this where they don't think I'm an asshole? Because I'm not an asshole. But yet again, I do have to do my job so I don't get fired. So it's like, I guess, so I, I from what I'm taking is you just humanize or just kind of make it relatable? Or would you just make it more fun or playful? It's different for you. Because you got one question or maybe two questions and, you're kind of, and they're kind of walking. <laughs> you sure. Know? Me, yeah. they're set up to be interviewed. I walk into a room. They're sitting down. They're waiting for questions. My thing will not work for you. I doubt it. Like, you know, like, (laughs) like, especially when you're getting one question and they're walking by fast and they're acting like they don't want to be interviewed, but they know they do want to be interviewed. You know, like, I wish I wish people could really see the realness of outlets like these people really do want to be interviewed a lot of times to get stuff out and they will call entertainment outlets. TMZ and be like, yo, I need this story out there, but I'm going to act like I don't want this story out there. So you just stop me at four o'clock at this restaurant and I'll give you the clip and we'll, we'll play it off. Like you just caught me off guard. Are we like that shit happens all the time. We have been talking about that for so long. I'll just the amount of people, because there is such a give and take in this industry of celebs need the attention because they need to stay relevant and the outlets need to have the stars to be able to keep pumping out information. But like, I don't understand why celebs don't act like they like it or they pretend or whatever it is, because that to me is like the fake side of it. Like just admit that we all need each other and you can like the cameras. It's okay. But you know, but you know what, what I notice is the most successful people are very respectful to those people. Yep. Tom Cruise. Freaking amazing. I don't know how he is paparazzi wise, but when you interview yeah, him, going, yeah. when you interview him, kind, nice, follows you with his eyes everywhere you go, which is kind of creepy. You know, <laughs> he'll like 
He's paying attention to you so much. It makes you awkward. You're like, dude, you're like really listening to me. Cause he's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you move, he's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like he's following you, you know? Uh, Will Smith, phenomenal. Kevin Hart, The Rock, phenomenal. The Rock is a guy I look up to because when I did entertainment news, I remember he said, after every interview, after every interview, he would take three minutes out between, because you know at a junket, it's like boom, 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 boom. Yeah. He would hold them for three minutes and talk to me and ask me, am I going after my goals? Am I using his acting coach? Am I doing this? Am I doing, like, really, like, make sure. And he goes, I remember, I remember like it's yesterday. And this, he's a big reason why I'm crossing over to the acting and just comedy. He goes, you know when I'm going to be happy is when I don't see you interviewing me anymore. Oh, wow. That's cool. And I was like. That's awesome. Cause he's, cause I feel like and he said, you, you're so much more. You can, you're, you're a talent. You're so much more. Keep pushing, keep grinding, keep going to acting class. He says, you're going to get there. Like, it's really like a rock motivational speech every time I interviewed him. And man, I look back at that and that's what kept pushing me to be like, this is the biggest movie star in the world right now. And he's like, yo, you need to be doing more cause you need to be on the big screen. You need to be on TV shows and you need to be doing your comedy. So that made me feel great. If the biggest star in the world can see that in you and you can't see it in you, well, who got the problem? It's you. You know what I mean? So that inspired me so much. And uh, he's a game changer for me. You know, like he really is what you see in the videos. It's not yeah, fake. Yeah, he, yeah. He's, he's, I, you know, I've, we've always said it, the bigger the celebrity, usually the cooler they are. Oprah, awesome. You know, Brad Pitt, cool dude. Uh, Will Smith, they like said Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart, like when you interview him, one of the funniest guys. He's so charismatic. He is Robert Downey. He's like Iron Man. He is the character from Iron Man. It's just, it's so interesting to meet them, and it's crazy because you deal with the A-list stars, and especially someone like Tom Cruise. From my experience, Tom Cruise, like once you're around him, like I don't know, like for me, from my experience, like Miley Cyrus and Tom Cruise were two of the two people that come, you know, quick to my mind where. You feel the energy, like they know they're the shit a little bit. They have like this this confidence, this inner confidence where they just walk differently and they they just demand your attention. And they're cool, you know they're they're very cool. Like they're just they know they're stars. But Tom Cruise, again, very professional, very nice guy. Also, one thing I've told Dax, all Scientologists, all very nice. Well, I don't know anything about Scientology. Near do I, but I. But from I don't know anything about Scientology. But from what I understand is, their whole mission is for you to say how great they are after the interview, because they know it's a positive. I don't know if that's true. I may be making that up, <laughs> but they, they, they're so focused in on you, where after the interview, pretty much every Scientologist, and I don't know who's a Scientologist, yeah. but I would believe. After every Scientologist I've interviewed, you're like, wow, they're a great person. And then you tell other people how great they are, you know, and I heard that something they do, but I don't know anything. Some one of my friends said that, but I, I don't know if it's true. Or not. It's a great move on their part, because if you walk away from that interview and you're like, they were kind, they listened to me. You're going to go back to your editor and you're going to make say, make this the best piece ever, because these people were so dope. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you get a, if you get done with an interview and the person was horrible and shitty, you're gonna be like, I don't really care how this interview turns out because they were a terrible person. Yeah. But well, well, it's kind of like what Will Smith said. Um, I interviewed him a lot, like a lot. I got exclusives with him. My childhood friends, his manager, uh, Miguel, 
And so I would get a lot of interviews with Will Smith when I did that. And I remember Will Smith told me one thing. He says, read the book, The Tipping Point, because it's amazing. So I read that book and there was another book he told me. But I go, dude, you're always in a great mood off camera. It's like you're always in a great mood for interviews. He goes, well, if I'm here, just like when I act, I'm here 110 percent. I'm here to give you the best interview you can have because I know in turns you give me the best interview I can have and that makes the movie better and that makes everybody happy. And he goes, why would I want to be a crappy interview? Then you take it back and it it looks like a miserable, you know, and and I wish because I've interviewed so many people that are the opposite. It's just a job, the interview. I like acting. These interviews, they suck, but let's get through it. You know, I've seen seen Tommy Lee Jones make reporters cry like cry tears walking out like why even interview that dude yeah you know so i don't know you've you've talked about the rock you've talked about will smith who would you say is the best person to interview by far for me the rock jennifer aniston uh kevin hart for me because i have relationships with those people you know uh i'm sure there's more tom hanks I, i i remember i interviewed tom hanks in two months, like nine times, right? And when I say he's the nicest person, he's one of the, you know, he's called the nicest man in Hollywood. It's true. The dude's phenomenal, and I absolutely love him. But I would have to say, like, it's The Rock, Kevin Hart, Jennifer Aniston. Like, hands down, I wish I could work for an outlet just to interview those three people, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. You know, when they had a junket, I would interview them, and that that would be a dream to me is just your job is just to interview those three people, and that's it. That would be my dream gig. Yeah, I have a good relationship with Kevin Hart because, you know, I would always try to, you know, I've been doing this for more than 10 years now, I guess. And I've been dealing with Kevin Hart before he kind of became Kevin Hart when he was doing the 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 not so big movies, when he was just a stand up comic, when he was doing some of the smaller TV shows. I was probably the only person chasing Kevin Hart through an airport or like the only person always going for Kevin Hart because I liked him. He was such a good guy. Now he's turned into this huge star, but he always gives me the time because I feel like in some ways we kind of came up together. Obviously, he went a very <laughs> different route and is very successful, but he's very, very good to me because I've always been good to him back. He knows my like we have a very, very good relationship. Is there any stars that you have a relationship with that you were kind of working with before they kind of blew up? And because of that, they still kind of give you, they show you love. They actually give you the attention because like, again, you kind of came up with them. Well, I I would say I didn't come up with them, but I've known them way before he was huge is The Rock. I would be like, that's the guy. Like I knew him. I've interviewed him in Miami. And now when I say I know him, an interview relationship. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not talking about, yo, Rock, what's up, bro? You want to go hang today? No, it's not like that. It's, <laughs> oh, he knows my face. And without somebody telling him who I am, he knows who I am. If I saw The Rock out at a restaurant, he would definitely say hi to me. You know, if I came up yeah. to him, he would definitely give me the attention and know exactly who I am. So I knew him in Miami when he was a wrestler, you know, and I'm a huge Miami Hurricanes fan. So I followed him even back then. So and I had a radio show in Miami. So we ran across each other several times. Now, when I made the move to L.A., I remember I was one of the first people to interview him when he made his first film with the little girl. Uh, I had to interview him for that junket. And this is when, if you look at The Rock's first movies, and this is me making this up, but it seemed like his first two movies, he was trying to be thin. He's very thin compared to what he is now, trying to fit the Hollywood mold. And then he was like, fuck it, that's not me. I'm the rock. And then he got big and became a real life superhero, you know? So 
I interview if you look at his first two movies, very thin, very thin. And I interviewed him and we just kind of just bonded then. And then about my two years into interviewing him, that's when it it kind of like, yo, what are you doing? You need to start hustling. You need to start doing this. So, you know, I've known this. I've been in LA for 12 years. So I would say eight of the years, he's kind of like been pushing me every time I would see him to be better. And I got into stand up about that time. And he's happy about the stand up growth. And now it's like, you know, but he's always been pushing me to act. So I would say it's The Rock as far as a big celebrity. You know, I've had uh, comedians I've known like uh, blow up. Joe Coy, I've Joe known Coy, for sure. 13, 14 years. You know, so he actually took me on tour when I first started comedy just to kind of like get my feet wet. So he's been that guy. And now he's one of the biggest comics in the world. So those are like the two, I would say. Like Joe Coy is my mentor in comedy. You know, he's the man and I love him so much. Uh, you know, like one of the funniest things we've ever done is a podcast and we did it for free. We did 23 episodes. It's on uh, wherever you stream or listen to podcasts. It's called the Yo Joe Show. And we did it like eight years ago. And when I say it's just two dudes hanging out, having fun, cracking jokes, literally people find it today. We still get text. I mean, like mentions about it. It's so funny. It's so because we found out after we left, we were doing like 280,000 streams an episode. And we didn't even know. We didn't even know. We just walked away from it. We were like, dude, if we would have kept this out, we could have been like, you know, a huge podcast today. But back then, nobody really knew. We kind of just messed around with it. But it's awesome. It's awesome. And we're not getting paid from it. But whoever owns it, they're getting a lot of money from that shit. <laughs> so, so we've talked about the best one. Who's the, who's the worst person or the hardest person to interview? Because you've interviewed everyone. You know what's interesting about that is I don't know if it's me, but I never get bad interviews. Because I feel that celebrities feel when somebody's scared and it makes it awkward yeah. for both people. Like, I've never walked out of an interview going, oh, that sucked, or they were mean to me. I did the, I, I say my first interview ever in Hollywood was, was Ben Stiller. And I learned that Ben Stiller is not a funny guy until you no. make him funny. Like, he's very serious. So I'm literally fresh off of Miami, coming into LA, watching Zoolander, because it's one of my favorite movies. He's in this movie, I forgot what, what junket it was, but I'm thinking he's that Zoolander guy, right? Yeah. So I go, hey, Ben, what's up, man? And he goes, hello, Michael, how are you? I'm like, that's not Zoolander. In my head, I'm like, that's not Zoolander. And uh, it took a while to get him there, but by the time you crack him, then he's fun. But he's not, uh, I learned very quick in LA, Oh, the, that they act. Oh, that's they're actors. That's what they. Oh, they're not really like that, you know. Because I always thought people kind of acted like themselves, you know, just in in a movie. But he's not like that at all. Very nice, very great. But I was thinking when I go, hey Ben, what's up? He's like, what's up? No, it's like, hello, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, okay, okay, this is weird. But uh, that I that that was an experience that I learned with him and. Chris Rock, I've interviewed a lot of times, and Chris Rock doesn't give free jokes. You got to earn him to be funny. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's a serious yeah. interview. He's a serious guy too, unless you start talking about something that's funny to him. He's not just gonna. Kevin Hart comes in, hey, what's up, man? You know, nah, 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 and starts cracking jokes. Yeah. Chris Rock is not that dude. Chris, unless he's on a late night talk show. If you're interviewing for a junkie, yeah. 
He's serious until you make him laugh or you talk about something he likes and that's funny. What is the best Hollywood party you've been to? Like when I mean been to to cover, like of all the Hollywood parties, do they suck? Are they cool? Are they as fun and glamorous as you think? No, it's it's never fun for a reporter. I mean, when you first start, it's great. You know, like I covered the variety, uh, like the Oscars are the big night, right? And everybody goes to these after parties. Uh, always the lead host does the governor's ball, I think. And then I would always do variety and variety is great. But most of these people been drinking all night. They, if they won, they don't want to really talk anymore. So you're standing out there and you got to get there five, six hours before the carpet opens. Uh, when, you, when it's your first three, four years in the game, or maybe even six or seven, it's exciting because you get to see these huge, massive celebrities up close. But then you realize you're there for literally probably nine, ten hours, and then everybody's waiting for the big star that night, whoever it is, and they're last to show up, and now you're there to 1 a.m., you know, waiting for a sound bite, and then they don't even do interviews, so you've been waiting all that fucking time, and they don't even talk to you. <laughs> so, and then even worse than that is you have hours of footage. You go on an entertainment show, and they use, like, a clip. From that nine hours, they'll use one fucking clip that's about 10 seconds long. <laughs> and you're like, nine hours for 10 seconds. You know, and that's when I thought, like, it'd be great if I owned all this footage, <laughs> you know, yeah. and I could cut it up myself and put it out there. But, yeah, that's one thing that was – it was soul-crushing is that you doing a carpet, standing out there all – day long and it's kind of just like oh in the winter of the night it's blah 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 what they have to say oh i'm very excited all right and let's move on to such and such such and such and you're like wow really 10 seconds i i want to know what hollywood party was the best that you didn't cover something that was just a party you ever wind up at someone's house you're like how the the hell did i I get here no 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 the one party i always wanted to go to i never got invited to but I didn't put a lot of effort into it either. Is uh, what's that guy that created um, the animation show? God, maybe maybe I didn't get invited because I keep. Are you talking Mike about Judge? Seth MacFarlane? MacFarlane. I've always wanted to go to that party. Like I heard it's insane. You could have got in there because I know some people that got in there. I'm like, how the hell did this person get in? No, I know some people who did. I was like, I don't know how this person got invited. So I think you easily could have got into that party. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't go to that. What are the? Here's the craziest party I went to, and it wasn't even Hollywood. It was in Houston, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> so Charles Barkley started playing for the Rockets, right? And I knew a lot of the Rockets players because my friend was one of the trainers on the team. So New Year's Eve, I forgot what year it was. I got invited to Charles Barkley's house for New Year's Eve at a party, and let me tell you. That was one of the craziest parts. Like, imagine NBA players throwing a party for New Year's Eve. It was unbelievable. It was at <laughs> Charles Barkley's house. Uh, I remember at midnight. It was like a rap video, dude. They opened up the refrigerator. It was nothing but crystal in the whole refrigerator. <laughs> they were like, happy, and it's a huge, happy new year. Just, I was like, is this a Snoop Dogg video? Is this doc, <laughs> is Dr. Dre about to come out and start performing? What is going on? And I was with Charles. I, I got, uh, I wouldn't say close, but we knew each other. And so when I, when they trained, I think that one year they trained in Austin, Texas, the Rockets. They were training out there. And Charles Barkley, me and him were at a bar 
And and Austin, the drinks cost like a dollar fifty. So Charles Barkley is drinking. We're drinking it up. The whole team, we're having fun. Charles Barkley, like the rest of the night is on me. So there's like two hours left of drinking, right? People are going nuts. Everybody's ordering everything. This is how cheap the drinks were. I think the final bill was like twenty five hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and, and people were drinking all night long. So those are two crazy moments where I was like. Because Charles Barkley and the Rockets were big at that time. And sure. I was an athlete. So I was like, this is amazing to be around athletes and to see the amount of money they have where they can do it. in this party where Crystal was like the thing back then. And that's all that was in the refrigerator. And then just beautiful people everywhere at this party. It was it was incredible. I would say that's the best party I ever went to. Did he have a uh, and it had nothing to do with Hollywood? Did he have a pretty you dope know? house? Because, oh man, it was I mean, Houston, Texas, Charles Barkley making millions of dollars. You can get a huge house for like $300,000. So imagine imagine the kind of house this guy had at that time. It was absolutely amazing. It, I, if I could go back and relive one party, that would be the party. Because that was like probably like 21, 22. Yeah. You know, I'm like, oh, you know, you're like, oh, my God, I know basketball players. I, <laughs> wow. Look at all the pretty people. You know, I was that dude. I, I, like, because those athletes have always been bigger to me than celebrities. You know what I mean? Out of all the celeb houses you've been to, who has the coolest? Because I got to imagine you do a lot of interviews where you, like, go to someone's house. So you've probably seen quite a few. Mm -hmm. um, I would say, you know what? I got to say, I forgot their names. But it was an older lady, and she wrote a lot of books. I, she died probably about two years ago. See, I'm terrible at remembering celebrities' names. Uh, <laughs> but she wrote a lot of – God, I, I can't even tell. But the house was the biggest house I've ever been in. It's right in Beverly Hills. It's one of those right off the street where – it's one of those houses you look at, like, oh, my God. Like, there must be so many people that live yeah. there. I mean, she had, like, 17 bedrooms, um, a, a lap pool like was her normal pool. She had like another back house that was bigger than like probably like 5,000 square feet for a back house. It was incredible. And I totally forgot her name, but that's the best house I've ever been to in my life. And probably you will never see. And, she, and you said she, she was a, an she author? She was an author, but she, God, I wish I remember her name. She was, and she died about two years ago. And she was older and she she was from a she was very famous. Like maybe her sister was famous as well. I don't Tony Morrison. If you said it, I couldn't remember. Like I would need to <laughs> What are you Googling old people oh, women okay. that died? I, I'm looking at <laughs> <laughs> I looked up famous female authors and Tony Morrison died in 2019, which was, you know, close. <laughs> I, I couldn't tell you. Uh, tell you. So let's know. do a little quick. Let's do a quick speed round to wrap up your entertainment career. Ready? Um, so I'll start off, Dax. Ready? Um, okay. Nicest. Oh, uh, The Rock, Tom Cruise. I mean, The Rock, Tom Hanks, and Kevin Hart. Jennifer Aniston. All right. The prettiest. Oh, What's her name? Sounds so bad with names. <laughs> One of the most gorgeous women I've ever seen when I walked into a room. It was so startling. I was like, oh, my God. Charlize Theron is one. But what's the other lady? She dated Pete Holmes. And she's uh, much older. Wait, did Pete? Kate Beckinsale. Oh, Pete Davidson. Oh, Pete okay. Davidson. Didn't he date Kate Beckinsale? No, P Pete Holmes. Yep. Pete Davidson did not. Pete Holmes. Pete Holmes wished he got Kate Beckinsale. Yeah. So uh, I met her at Chelsea. 
because Chelsea, I was at the rap party for Chelsea lately. I met her there. And when I say in real life, one of the most striking women you will ever see in your life, besides my wife, thank you so much. Uh, (laughs) But celebrity wise, but celebrity wise, hands down, probably her, like in real life. And when you see him, you know, in real life. Person you most want to get a drink with? The Rock. I'll drink his tequila too. Let's go. I love The Rock, man. Like I'm on The Rock train. I'm on the rock you train. You are. You're full steam ahead on that rock oh, train. I like it. Yeah, the rock train. Uh, person you'd avoid in a dark alley. Who would I want to avoid in a dark Huh. First thing that popped in my head, which makes no sense, is Johnny Depp. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the first name that popped into my head. You know, I don't, I have just no him dressed why. as Jack Sparrow walking down an alleyway. Yeah, I have no reason why it's Johnny Depp. But that's the first name that popped into my head, which is weird. I think I might want to avoid Johnny Depp in the, if I ran into him in the supermarket right about now. I don't know. I, <laughs> Maybe that's it. I don't know. If I saw him at a Publix, I'd be like, uh, yeah, I got to go down the other aisle. Um, uh, so meanest. I can't. I, I've never had an encounter with a mean celebrity. I've had an encounter where a celebrity walked out on a person and they were kind of mean to them, but they weren't mean. They were great with me. You know, so I had that encounter, but uh, every time I interviewed him, he's phenomenal. But my friend did ask a question. They told him not to ask, and he asked it anyway. <laughs> Bounced. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. <laughs> that's that's who did it. They asked. Okay. There was I forgot the movie, but this was like eight years ago. There was this movie that came out, and one of the actors in it, I think, had a relationship that just went like bad, or there was some cheating scandal, or they just broke up. And this dude asked about it. And I was in the room because I was next. And Joseph was like, fuck that. Let's go. And all of them bounced because they said not to ask it. (laughs) Like literally in the room, they say, don't ask it. And he still asked it. And they all walked out. They reset the room. They all came back in and we had a fucking great time. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think Tommy Lee Jones makes that list? I've never interviewed Tommy Lee because personally, I wouldn't deal with that. Like I even when like that's another thing is I don't mind walking out of an interview. If they're an asshole, I'll just be like, I ain't got time for this. Like the whole one word answers. I have interviewed celebrities with one word answers. And literally, I'm the one that leaves like a minute in of an eight minute interview. I'll be like, all right, thanks. And they're like, is that it? Done. Don't need this Yeah, and the publicist will be like, wait, wait, wait. I go, no, we're good. I got what I needed. I got what I (laughs) needed. All right. What about funniest? Oh, I mean, come on. It's, uh, I, I would say the f- two funniest is Kevin Hart and The Rock. I, it's almost like I'm on repeat, but it's because of the relationship. <laughs> and you guys know if you interview, you build a relationship. So they know what makes you laugh. You know what makes them laugh, you know? So, um, sexiest. Oh, I would got, in real life, I would have to go with, um, Kate Beckinsale. That's the only one I've met that kind of blew me away. It's like, Whenever Chelsea ended, like that, that was when I was like, oh, wow. Like I've never, I've never seen a celebrity that actually looked like they looked glamorous in a movie in real life like that. Cause I interview everybody, but for some reason that day she was, she looked amazing. Who's the most intimidating celebrity you've ever met? And this was, I never met her, but I had to interview her over the phone and I was so scared. Madonna, Madonna, Madonna. I was interviewing Madonna. For some reason, I wasn't even the biggest DJ at the station at that time. This is when I kind of first started. She came out with an album. And I guess she's like, I want the youngest DJ to interview me. So I guess she just wanted 
a youthful vibe to the interview. She didn't want it to sound old, like, hey, this is a morning show. What's up, Madonna? She didn't want that vibe. So I remember the first thing I said to Madonna, love your album. You know, that's what we say, like the movie, love the album. Three minutes into the interview, everything's going great. She's laughing. I'm laughing. She goes, yeah, it's just like that song, blah, blah, blah. She, it was kind of like nonchalant. And I go, oh, I haven't heard that one. She goes, how do you fucking love the whole album when you haven't heard the first song on the album? <laughs> 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 and then from that, I go, oh, you trying to call me out, Madonna? So then we started making fun of each other. The whole inter- And it actually made the interview better because she played ball with me. She goes, I... Because she knows I didn't listen to the whole fucking album. You know what I mean? You know, so it was fun that we could, she could turn that around, not be bitter about it, but actually kind of poke me about it, the whole interview, in a fun way, and I could kind of poke her back. So that was uh, one interview where it's like, oh, shit, oh, shit. Oh, okay, she's cool. She's cool. And that was Madonna at the time. And then all the pressure from the other people at the radio. Everybody's mad you got the interview. So they're all, yep. oh, it better be good. It better be good. It better. So, oh, shit. <laughs> you know, the, the only other one I would say is a interview I did with Barack Obama. But I wasn't nervous about that. I just wanted to make it entertaining rather than politics. Sure. So uh, biggest flirt. The one like, is this girl into me? Katy Perry. So um, I interviewed Katy Perry on the set of Sesame Street. This is a true story. <laughs> you remember eight, nine years ago, she wore this revealing outfit. And they couldn't even air the episode on Sesame Street. Yes. Picture this. Picture this. It's me, Katy Perry, and Elmo. No lie. That's how it's set up. (laughs) So Katy Perry's wearing this low-cut bra that they never could air. And I think she just broke up with Russell Brand. Now, you you understand this, Adam, and probably you too, Dax. When you interview a celebrity, a lot of times it's playful and flirty, right? So Katy Perry was very – like. very playful and flirty during it. I was playful and flirty back. I'm like, okay, I do this with a lot of people, you know? But at the end of the interview, at the end of the interview, Katy Perry leans off, leans up to me and goes, hey, whispers, are the cameras off? And I'm like, oh shit, oh shit. Like, <laughs> it's about to go down. Like, she's about to like say, what's up? Like, I'm like yeah, the cameras are off. And then she lets it rip. She just farts. <laughs> she, looks oh at, my God. she looks at me and goes, ha! And, and walks the fuck off. <laughs> Elmo, <clears throat> true story. Elmo looks at me and goes, what the fuck? <laughs> this might be the best story we've ever heard on the oh podcast. Oh, I'm telling great. you, man. It was. <laughs> and then a lot of people don't believe me, right? So I go, no, no, I'm not making it. This is a true story. True story. So if you Google Katy Perry farting, she's notorious for it. There's stories about her doing it to other people. Like even Orlando Bloom, I think, called her like the flatulence queen or something like that. She loves to drop bombs, dude. <laughs> oh, that is so funny. That is so great. That's amazing. Who's a, who is the most boring celeb you've met boring oh that's the last question by the way most boring celeb you've met i like i said everybody i interview kind of they're not boring with me you know i I don't know i've never met a boring celebrity you know but i I think well there's got to be that one that gave you the one word answers and you were like get the fuck out of here well i mean most of the time those are like 
the the people I have the most problem with are reality stars. And they're those, you know what I mean? Yes, we've been saying that. Housewives. Yeah. I remember I was on a red carpet and I look, I can't remember. There's so many housewife shows. I can't remember which housewife it was, but literally on the red carpet, I go, tell me about the housewife show or, you know, whatever. She goes, I don't want to talk about the housewives. And literally in my mind, I go, what else are we going to fucking talk about? What else is there? (laughs) Do nothing else. Like (laughs) why I I'm at a housewives premiere and you don't want to talk about housewives, a show you're on and you have nothing else going on. Like I'm like, that's like me going to Will Smith's junket for a movie. And he goes, I don't want to talk about the movie. I'm like, well, you know what I mean? He would never do that. These big, that's why they're huge celebrities. I have the most problems with these reality stars and I wouldn't say they're boring. They're just a lot of, just entitled uh, assholes. A lot of them. I, I feel like you would be a really good third host on our podcast because this is literally the shit that we say every day. It's like the biggest stars on the planet are the ones that are the best and it's the reality stars or the, the social media stars that can be the worst. And you're like, you're not even famous dude, yet. Like, what is your problem? Dude, let me tell you something. When you can be famous, have three, four million followers just because you show your ass, it shows you the platform. It doesn't take talent to do that. You know, now there are some great, funny people on it. And there are some talented people that do, they got this kid that does video work on it that works with Will Smith and all these people. He's phenomenal. He's so talented. But you can't tell me a lot of times when you go for jobs. I remember I went to one job interview and they go, How many Instagram followers you got? I was like, Well, wrong job for me. Like, if you're going to judge me off my following rather than my talent, you know, it's because how I justify that is, yo, I see guys that work out, CrossFit people, they got millions of people that follow them, you know, like that's a talent. Yes. If you're one of the biggest in the country, but then I also see just girls going, doing TikTok all day, you know, and putting it on their Instagram and they have millions of followers. Like, I'm not going to do that either. And then I see people just showing their ass and I'm like, they got millions of followers. Like, so the talent level to be famous on Instagram is way different from being famous in real life. That's why no, and I may be wrong in this, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. A person that became famous first on Instagram, TikTok or whatever has never been successful on TV or on any bigger platform. You know what I mean? It just doesn't translate. Their audience is like, why do I want to watch you on TV? When I can watch you on Instagram where I normally found you. That's why a lot of YouTube stars back. I remember E when I worked there and this was a long time ago. You remember that guy that was like, leave Britney alone. That guy. Yeah. Oh, Chris Crocker. Chris fucking Crocker, dude. (laughs) So he went internet sensation. And I remember E wanted to develop a show with him when I was there back in the day. And they did it with a couple of other YouTube stars that over the years, it never translates into TV. Why? because their audience wants to see them on that platform and nowhere else. So it's kind of like, you know, the friends I know that are huge, that are talented on Instagram and other things, we're talented in the real world. And I want to say, but like in film, on television, in comedy, and now it's transpired on social media rather than social media to the real world. Do I sound like a hater? No, I I, I get it. (laughs) No. I like the real. Here's why I respect you a lot because, you know, you had this amazing career as an entertainment journalist 
interviewing the biggest stars in the world. And then you say, you know what? I'm going to go harder into stand-up comedy, which is insanely hard. You know, it's uh, when you do stand-up comedy, you have to bomb. You have to fail. There's no way you can learn. The only way you learn is, you know, because I'm a stand-up comic, is it's trial and error. And you probably, you know, I always say for myself, I've had more bad shows than good shows, but the good shows make up for the bad shows. You have to bomb to be successful as a comedian. You have to try stuff out. And here you are. You're on top of the world. You're interviewing these huge stars, and you say, you know what? I'm going to go fail, you know, in some ways as a stand-up comic and I'm gonna go on and say, I'm gonna put myself out there and then you become a stand-up comic and do very successful you go on tour around the country you're headlining you do a special blazing fucking amazing a great special and then you say I'm gonna do America's Got Talent and that's I thought was such a bold move because here you are as a you're you're in some ways you're already known people know who you are you're on TV you are successful but I'm gonna put myself out there and show that I'm also and again, I could be wrong. This is just the way I interpret it. It's like I'm going to show that I'm also in some ways struggling or I'm still working at it. And I respect that because people, you know, we don't see the work that people put on. You put yourself out there when you do a show like America's Got Talent and you were – you had a great – you did well on the show. You went really – you went very far. Um, what made you decide to do America's Got Talent? Well, what was interesting is – and this was even before the pandemic happened. I was like – well, I'm trying to transition out of entertainment hosting to being a stand-up comedy uh, slash actor. And I was like, what's the biggest platform in the world? America's Got Talent. Literally, I have friends that are comics that have been on it. It's changed their life. Preacher, Drew. So Cat I've Williamson, seen it. Yeah. I've seen I've seen it work. Uh, so I went for it and I knew I was gonna get a lot of backlash because a lot of the comments from haters were like, You're already famous. What are you on the show for? Well, you dumbass, let me tell you why. It's because these magicians and all these other people, they got professional shows in Vegas too. Like everybody on that show is a professional in some way or another. You know, the, the, a lot of people that, that do well in that show are really doing this in real life. It's not just like they were walking around going, oh shit, today I'm gonna do magic. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. But people, it's interesting. I learned a lot about people's psyche is like, if you're, Let's let's put it in quotes because I don't think I am. But if you're famous in one category, you should stop and not try to be good at something else. I got that. I, I saw that from a lot of people. It's like, well, why do you want to do AGT when you're already famous? I go, well, I'm a host. Well, still, people know who you are. I'm like, yeah, but I'm trying to be like I'm trying to be a comic, which is totally different from hosting. But people don't as like people can't separate the two. Yeah. You know? So. I did get a lot of hate for that. Uh, my first set went really well. The second set, three days before, I, I was supposed to do a set. They they said uh, it didn't get approved. Uh, I don't want to go into that. And then I gave them another set. That didn't get approved. So I winded up with a set that literally is in my special a kind of like a bridge to get to the next next set of jokes so i was i was in the I, I appreciate the opportunity it was great and i didn't really i i was excited about it but i wish i could have done the set and the show was pushing really hard for me to do the set because i think that set would have got me to the next round and then my last round would have i i had this whole plan and uh yeah so i i was really excited to do the set i was supposed to do because it talked about race and it talked about uh, me being Blasian, black and Asian. It talked about my parents, but, um, the network saw it as, uh, some of the jokes were stereotypical 
And to me, if it's really ha- like these are stories that really happen, you know, so it may be stereotypical to you, but it's real to me. You know what I mean? So, you know, it, look, I was just happy to be on the show. I got a lot of fans from it. A lot of people come out to see me from it. So I just wish I it's one of those things where I watch Hamilton all the time and I feel like I threw away my shot because if I could have done the set I was originally approved to do, I think it would have been I would have went even further in the show. So, but it was hard with no crowd too. So, oh, but that's yeah. not an excuse. I'll never use that as an excuse. It's just if I could have done the set I wanted to do, I think uh, I think I think it would have been uh, a different ball game, a completely different ball. Yeah, game. it is so hard to do material. It's one thing if you're a stand-up comic and you could just do you. It, it's still difficult, but not as difficult. And I, 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 I hear what you're saying because you, people don't understand when you do – you can't just do your regular jokes. They have to get approved by lawyers, by the producers. Like you have to run every single sentence by them. Like every single word you say – if you do a late-night set on Fallon, James Corden, wherever show, you have to write out all your jokes, and they have to be approved by the lawyers. So it's not a – it's a tedious, it's annoying, it's frustrating because they might not understand the jokes, but it's it's not an easy thing being a comic on one of these shows because, like you said, you can't really do your normal jokes. You might have to tweak a few of a little bit, and it's like, I know this is funny, but again, the network for some reason won't allow it, so it's not... It's- it, was, it, was, it wasn't the network. It was more of, uh, I think, the overall is some of these were... St- and I'm not going to lie, one was very stereotypical, because the one that's stereotypical, I go, I'm black and Asian. Uh, I'm the only guy that can steal a car and wreck it on the way home, which I think is fucking <laughs> hilarious, right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I think it's funny. So after the steal a car wreck it on the way home, I felt like that was very stereotypical, but the other stuff in the set was not. But I think that one joke kind of stuck with them, and then that kind of put – like uh, the view of, oh, well, he may be pushing it too much, you know? So, but it is what it is. You can see it on my special Blazion if you really want to see it. So there you go. All right. I got one last question for you because we kept you way longer than we said we would. But, uh, you know, you've had this like crazy successful career, whether that be in entertainment news, whether that your comedy, you've had extreme success. And it's kind of, I want to say, number one, it it fell in your lap, but then you took it and you ran with it. So what I want to know is, you know, what advice would you give to other people that are looking to get into this industry and don't want to be the person standing in the 50 person line outside of E? What's your advice? Well, my advice is, you know, go after everything. And when you get something, don't be settled with that one job. You need to find other things in this industry, because I feel that especially what people are noticing from the pandemic, if you rely on one outlet of income, if that goes away, you're fucked. You know what I mean? So I feel like when you're in the industry, if you work on TV, get on TV, make realistic goals. You shouldn't move to LA going, I want to be a star. No, you should be like, I want to get picked up by somebody. I want to do acting class. I want to do better. Like my first goal at E was just being on TV once a week. Once that happened, I was like, let me do three times a week. Then it was fine. So I make realistic goals. So then when I look back at the year, it looks like I moved forward instead of looking back at the end of the year going, I'm not a star yet. You know what I mean? So I think that's very important to make realistic goals when you're in Hollywood. And so it makes you feel like you're having momentum moving forward. And I, I just think the, um, you just gotta, you just, 
you have to keep pushing and you have to keep doing other jobs because I know, like my dad said, I said it earlier in the pod, but no, be more important than your job. You know, it's harder to fire you if you can do a lot of different things for the company, you know? So that's what I've always done. Like, that's why, uh, when I was a reporter, I moonlight at standup because I knew I'm not going to do entertainment hosting forever. So I was like, I'm gonna do stand up. And now stand up, people are seeing my stand up and they're going, Oh, you should act. So now I'm transitioning into acting, but then I still got my podcast. I still go on other people's podcasts. I'm still, you know, uh, still kind of trying to reach people in a different platforms to show them my brand. So, you know, I got a, I got a couple TV shows out there, like pretty much everybody, but you know, I got pilots out there that waiting to see if they get approved. So it's like, I got my hands at a bunch of creative things and I feel that's the key is don't just sell. Oh, I got my dream job as a host. No, do more. Do your hosting, great, but also know that hosting is going to go away one day. So you need to have other shit set up too. Yeah, my last question is, and it's just out of curiosity. You know, we've seen you act a lot. You, obviously, you've done it all. I mean, you've done so many jobs in Hollywood now, and it's kind of cool. It's inspiring to see your career because you've. Uh, it's one of those things. Like, I respect you as a hustler, and it's like here's a guy who's actually working. Like, you, you know, most people think you've made it. Like, and you're man, you're like, no, I'm just getting started. I'm like, I'm going. I'm working. This is. I want to keep working. I want a career. Um, but I'm just curious, how is how do you audition for roles right now? Are they having to go into the studios? It's all self-tapes. So literally, I have an audition tomorrow, a big one, and it's all self-tapes. So what I do is I work with it with my acting coach. We'll tape it. I'll cut it up and send it in. And then, uh, and then you just wait for a reply. So I've been getting great auditions. And here's the key. I've been getting... Uh, re-auditioned by the same big casting director. So it must be, oh, we like him. We just got to find the right thing for him. So yeah. that that makes me feel good. And I'm a newbie on the acting side, but I have some credits, but I, I'm a newbie on the acting side, but I love the way it's going because I'm a type of person that loves to fail fast. If I'm not good at something, I get out. You know, I like, if I, my goal was, if I went up, did stand up three times and I sucked all three times at the beginning, I wasn't ever going to do it again. You know, so I don't believe in wasting energy on things. I don't feel like I'm not the person to be like, well, I'll get better. Well, I'll get there. No, it, my thing is like, if I know I'm not good at it, I'm not going to keep working at it. Maybe that's lazy on me, but I'll find things I'm great at at the beginning or good at that I can improve on. That's cool, man. Well, listen, it's uh, I again, like I said, it's uh, I, I really enjoyed having you on. We always have. You know, like you, you've interviewed a lot of celebrities, but I'm always, from my experiences, I'm always more interested in the people that actually interview the celebrities because, you know, you've had so many crazy experiences when we get to hear them. It's just fun. It's exciting. And, and in some ways, you get to humanize the celebrity and, you know, and it's, you know, we kind of learn about them a little bit from your perspective, from your experiences. So I really enjoy that. You can check out Michael's comedy special, Blasian. It's, uh, it's so good. Follow him on IG, Michael Yo, uh, to keep up with him, to see what he's up to. Uh, you know, check out his tour dates. He's, yeah, hopefully, uh, we'll have some tour dates soon. Um, you know, you also get to hear him rant about marriage and, uh, talk to, to interesting people like, uh, the creator of Pictionary and a whole lot more on his, the, on the Michael Yo show. I love it. Uh, it, it's just a really fun show and it's great to have you, buddy. I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys and keep doing your thing, man. 
Buddy, what you think? I liked him. I liked him a lot. Like I said, I think he could be the third host on our podcast because he thinks the exact same way we do. I love yeah, it. No, he's a good dude. And I love hearing those stories. I just love hearing people's experiences. Like, you know, obviously I have so many and it's kind of fun to bond with someone who's kind of done similar jobs, but at least their interviews were agreed upon by both parties and yeah. not, mine are usually just ambush. But um, <laughs> I just, I enjoy it. I, I love hearing his experiences and with celebrities and oh my god the the Katy Perry story had me dying that was so great Ugh. what a great so story. I, I I was waiting for something to happen and then just the fart so good it, it took like such a turn <laughs> I thought he, I thought she was gonna be like hey sexy or so you know and not just rip a fart and, and he, you know what like he's funny he's charismatic but he's doing insanely well as a stand up comic and that's I think what I respect a lot about him that it's like. Even though in some ways, like, we consider him successful, and I hope he knows he's successful, but he's, like, I'm still not – I'm still working. Like, I, I'm a, I'm, I'm not uh, – my ego is not – it's not too big where I don't want people to see that the struggle – and it's not like he's struggling, but, you know, he's still working for parts. It's not like he's handed roles now. Like, he's – He's got to actually work. But uh, Michael Yo is so good. Follow him on IG and check out his comedy special, Blazian. You can find us. Wait, wait, wait. We got to read a I got to read a comment real fast. Oh, thank you, bud. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah. So so we got a we got a five star review since we do this. And again, let, let's just say it again. We appreciate whenever you guys leave a review. It's huge for us. Uh, it just helps the algorithm on iTunes, pushes us out there to more people. And honestly, it's it's nice to read feedback from people so that we know people are listening. Um, but we got a five-star review from jharv129. And the comment actually says, five stars, I love Adam. That's no it. No way. Just, I love Adam. Wait, who is it? No, are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, who's the person who did it? jharv129, a.k.a. your mom. Yeah. Oh, man. One day. <laughs> One day. Uh, yeah, uh, that's, uh, th- thank you, Jay Harp. Appreciate it. <laughs> uh, Jay Harp, man, thank uh, you I'm so gonna much. I thought see my way out then. Yeah, I, dude, I, I appreciate that. I think they're messing with me, but, uh, yeah, thank you. I probably know him, you know, I'm not, I have no ego <laughs> to, I'm working. Uh, yo, thank you so much, Jay Harp. Guys, leave a review. That's the best way you can do to support us. You leave a five star review and give us a comment. Um, it's just like an algorithm thing with, uh, iTunes and all the, the uh, the podcast networks and stuff like that. Uh, thank subscribe, you for the support. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to the page. Subscribe to our YouTube. We got our YouTube page, where we're putting some of the videos up on there. Uh, you can find me at, at Adam Glynn, G L Y N. You can find Dax Holt at, at Dax Holt H O L T. Um, again, find us on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, Instagram, and uh, we will see you guys later. Ahora Media Production.